In our webinar this week, we talk about LinkedIn for photographers. This is Twit. Thank you to all the people who registered and who are in the webinar room right now. Uh, I think we topped out my Big Marker webinar account with registrations for this event. So uh, yeah, uh, apparently there's some pent up demand for mm -hmm. knowledge about LinkedIn and you know how how that whole thing works. So I wanted mm -hmm. to you know I don't want to waste too much time. I want to keep it to about an hour. And mm -hmm. over this hour, what we'll do is I will uh, we're going to start right after this this little bit. I'll have a quick discussion mm -hmm. with Mark. We set the stage about who Mark Charette is, what his qualifications are to be talking to you about LinkedIn. And then I'm going to turn it over to Mark. He's going to present his material. And then at about, you know, quarter to the hour. Um, so for about, you know, 40 ish minutes, 35, 40 minutes into the into the whole hour thing where we'll, we'll switch to a Q&A mode where I'll come back on screen and and take your questions. So if you have a question that pops up during the webinar over in the U user interface in the webinar software, you'll see uh, some text that says Q&A. So click in there and you can add a question to your Q&A. That's where I'll be answering from. Or you can type a message in chat and at the bottom where it says send and all that, you can click add to Q&A instead of just sending it as a message. I'll still probably see your message in chat, but that just makes it easier for me when we're doing the Q&A session to find the, the specific questions. Um, so I'm looking at people filing in. We've got Tim Engel in here. Hey, Tim. We've got Larry Savinsky in the house, Charles Brooks, Norm Hansen, David Swinney. It's going. I can't read all these names, obviously, because like I said, there's hundreds of people <laughs> coming in. Uh, but thank you all. Thank you all for coming in. Thanks for supporting uh, this week in photo and for for logging in and supporting Mark with this webinar. So we're we're excited to do this. So Mark, let's let's dive in um, before I burn up all our time just yeah. making <laughs> sounds out of my 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 uh, face hole. So what <laughs> what what? Tell us about you. So you yes. you are a Google trusted photographer. That's one of the one of the hats you wear. But give us a little yes. bit about your background. Sure. Cool. I, I, I'm not only do I do Google trusted photography, which is Google Street View virtual tours, but I also am a local SEO specialist. And what that really entails is helping business people primarily um, in making sure that their directory listings are, are set up properly on Google Maps and Apple Maps, Bing Maps, and other directory listings like your Yellow Pages and all that, making sure they've, they've got that sorted out. And also, in the space of local SEO, there's also the, the factor that uh, that's also usually where the most of the review platforms for businesses also reside. So I help in showcasing reviews, getting more reviews, knowing how to handle difficult and challenging reviews, you know, the negative ones, all yeah. that. So so I, so I there's a number of different services that I provide. Obviously, the photography is still my, my first passion and love and, and, the, and the thing that I enjoy doing from a creative perspective the most. Uh, but the other stuff is really important because it's really where people are engaging with clients. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's important. It, it's been important forever, but it, it seems to be, since we started talking a couple of years ago, it, it, mm. the, the arc of importance of this stuff gets, you know, it, it's it's a steep incline. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah, I want to I dive into this stuff. So if, um, you know, just to set the stage on LinkedIn as a social mm -hmm. network, I know some of this is in your your presentation, but mm -hmm. set the stage on. Let's let's just take it from a selfish standpoint. My perception of LinkedIn is it's 
strictly for business. It is basically a glorified online resume and people that friend you there or try to connect with you there. If you don't know them, you should reject them. And people that you do know or that are connected to people that you may want to one day be connected to for job purposes or, you know, work of some sort, then you should connect to them. Give us, give us a stage. Like what's the main, the main, like main difference between LinkedIn and something like Facebook. Okay. All right. Well, the first thing is you're, you would have been right 10 years ago about LinkedIn to say that that's what it was all about. And the big difference really is that if you think about the fact that most people who are in a job somewhere, um, eventually, yeah, they may or may not want to change jobs. They may want to be looking for new work, but there's an awful lot of people who have moved into the world of entrepreneurship such as Mm -hmm. photographers, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who do that switch then think, well, where else am I going to find people who are decision makers to be able to, you know, um, essentially buy my products and services? So it became really an opportunity for connecting with decision makers. And one of the most important things that really took place is really when um, back in Facebook, if we recall, there was a bit of an exodus from Facebook about two years ago, two and a half yeah. years ago, yeah. when all of the, the privacy issues co- that took place. And it essentially woke up a lot of people about the power of LinkedIn. So there was another insurgence of additional users that actually started to really understand the importance of using LinkedIn. Uh, I had already been using using it in the same way that you had for a long time, and I didn't have a very large following or wasn't you know being followed by a lot of people. Um, but then realized that, hang on a second here, this is a far more powerful tool than I'm giving it credit. So I started to follow a lot of the influencers in LinkedIn to see what they're doing. And that's how yeah. I learned what, I, what I've what learned now yeah. uh, about yeah. really, it, it really is the place to go. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. excited to dive into this because I want to use LinkedIn, but since LinkedIn has been around, I felt like I haven't been using it properly. And you know, as a result, I've dismissed it. Like, okay, yeah, every now and then I'll go in there. Yeah. Oh, so and so CEO posted yeah. something, or you know, I haven't really been taking it seriously. But I feel like now is the time to start taking it seriously. Hence this webinar. Yep. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna turn it on to turn it over to you, and uh, okay, you great. know, let's let's bring your slides on screen here and get rid of my camera and off and away you go mark sure take it away cool all right so if everyone can see that all right can we know if anyone has any questions or or has a problem make sure you just put a note in there so that frederick can at least let me know but i should be able to show you these screens quite easily all right so i'll take you through this presentation what what i'm actually going to be doing is essentially covering three major factors within the world of linkedin first one is your profile how do you show up what do you look like the next section we're going to be talking about is essentially the content And then finally, we're going to be talking about how do you actually grow your network on LinkedIn. Those are the three factors that I see as being the most important that you have to think about. So to start off with, we have to think about what exactly is LinkedIn and why is it so important today? And if you look at it, it's actually now grown to roughly about 630 million users worldwide. So it's a very large network and it's growing year on year continuously. It's a very solid network of people who are essentially decision makers. If you look at the titles in this slide, and I don't know whether or not the size will be big enough for you to see it, uh, but keep in mind that I'll be able to share these slides afterwards too. So um, um, uh, Frederick will be able to pass these slides on. So if you want to review them, by all means, uh, feel free to do so. But when you look at the, the senior level influencers, 90 million people who are senior level influencers, decision makers, 63 million people, uh, you know, uh, people with an MBA, 3 million, IT, 6 million. So you're talking about people who are really those who are most likely to be decision makers in business. 
And we all know that the people who are making decisions in business are often the ones that we need to connect to if we're in, especially in the commercial photography space. But I also want to make sure that if you're not in the commercial photography space, that you do think about this also for your business too, as a photographer, because these people have personal lives and you know it, it things spill over just like things spill over in the world of Facebook or other social media platforms. You want to remember that you know, people who actually work have a personal life and vice versa. So this is why it's now become a really important social media platform. And really the vast majority of that, of that switch took place about two years from when I really, when I really noticed it anyway, uh, when we started to see sort of a, a drop in, in the usage of Facebook and you know, the cost of advertising was going up, people started to move more and more into LinkedIn. When you look at it from a point of view of really what drives decision-making in the, in the B2B world, LinkedIn is by far the most important platform. You know, if you it really is, it's it's outperforming Twitter, it's outperforming Facebook, no surprise there. Um, but you have to think about it really from a point of view of what, how did a lot of this take place? Well, is the growth of entrepreneurs, sole, sole operators, small businesses, businesses under 20 people. Um, those have really started to leverage LinkedIn probably better than a lot of the larger businesses because it's like they've got big ships to move, right? So it's harder for them to actually switch the way they do their marketing. Uh, whereas the smaller operators, they're the ones that are really leveraging LinkedIn a lot. And as photographers, you probably often fit into that space. So this is a good place for you to, to learn it and to be able to actually help other people who are very similar to you that you can actually help with their business. So, when we look at the stats, this is one of the ones that really blows my mind from a point of view of really how powerful it is in terms of decision making, right? If you look at the, if there's 675 million monthly users on here and about 45% of the LinkedIn article readers are upper sea level people, like these are decision makers. These are people who are actually spending money, right? Uh, we want to make sure that we're actually talking to those people and giving them reasons to be able to actually benefit from the services we can provide as photographers. So this is a really, really important thing. But before we go down that path, you have to make sure that your own profile and you wanna make sure that your clients or your prospective clients' profiles are looking really good. And if you look at one, that, that bullet point that says profiles with photos get 21 times more views and 36 times more messages, that gives you an idea of how important photography actually is in LinkedIn. Once, once again, this is why that when I, when Frederick and I were talking about this presentation, I really wanted to focus on this as a place for photographers to create content that's actually going to be consumed by people who actually have a need. Because essentially, if you look at the average person's uh, LinkedIn profile, a lot of them don't look that great. Look at their headshots. You'll be able to very quickly see that most of them aren't done very well. That's uh, probably a, 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 it's been cropped in from a, a little tiny image that they grabbed off off of a, you know, from a, a function or event. It's not really a professional shot. You want to make sure you can help them with that. So this is a great place for you to actually spend some time. I won't go through all the bullet points because obviously a lot of this is stuff that you'll be able to review afterwards. Because again, this these pre this presentation will be available to to you to to download afterwards. So really, if you think about this, how does how does this apply to you? Well, you're in business, right? As a photographer, you're running a business. Unless you're doing it strictly as a hobby, it's important to remember that if you're actually operating your business the way that um, that other people are operating their businesses, you'll actually show up and be more, more trustworthy. And you wanna make sure that your personal profile is looking great because the better your profile looks, the better it tells of a story about who you are, what you do, the more likely that people who need your services will engage with you. Um, 
some of the things that you'll be able to create is, and I'll talk a little bit more afterwards on this too, but you can actually create headshots, banners, um, you know, panoramic shots. Uh, you'll be able to create content that's for marketing. Uh, you'll be able to create business business stories, advertising content, uh, and even help. One of my favorite things is creating a complete stock of images for business clients so that they're not actually going to all these stock houses to get their images and essentially eroding their brand. The best thing that you can do for them is to provide them a service where you help them create their own stock of images. And best place to find who these people might be that need this, LinkedIn, I think is a great place. Um, so really what happens with this is that you can become your own brand, okay, um, and, and, and really build up um, a, a powerful engagement um, story with, with your clients simply because of the fact that when you actually look at the way that uh, LinkedIn works, it's really about engagement. You don't really want to be thinking of, of LinkedIn as, as a tool like Facebook or like Instagram where people are just looking and scrolling, looking and scrolling. That's really not the point. You're really looking for the opportunity to uh, get likes, comments, and shares on your posts and helping your clients get more likes, comments, and shares because that level of engagement is in fact one of the things that measures your success in ranking in LinkedIn so that your posts show up more in the feed. Hey, Mark, I just want to I want to ping you on that that piece sure. right there, because that's one of the misper misconceptions that I have yeah. you know, with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, you know, insert whatever social network is a flavor of the month that you're using. It's, it's it always seems like people are chasing those likes, comments and shares, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes just for the just for the sake of gathering likes, comments and shares with no real goal in mind. How is that different on on a service like LinkedIn? You'll notice that that bullet point says earn your engagement. It comes mm -hmm. down to you. that's really where the difference is, is if you're if you're thinking of doing it. Um, and in fact, actually, I'm going to bring back a subject that um, you, you had a, an interview with Trey Radcliffe a while back about a book that he wrote, if you recall, uh, mm -hmm. Frederick. And it was all about pods and how he basically was not a fan of them. And neither am I. I've actually experimented to see what they were like. And I've uncovered that I'm not a fan of them. Mm -hmm. um, they they can have a rightful place, but very rarely because... Well, define that. Define what a pod is. So okay, a pod, a pod is, a, is, a, is a group of people who have made a, a, a decision that's not based on whether or not the content that they're going to like, share, and, and, and comment on is stuff they actually care about. They're doing it to basically just boost the numbers just to boost their, 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 uh, their ranking. Mm -hmm. And if that's the reason you're doing it is simply for the case for, for the, for boosting alone, then it's not really earned. It's not really content that shows how you're, you're a specialist in your field. So it's important to remember that if you're going to be belong to a pod, you probably it, just, just try this, just try removing yourself from a pod, which is essentially these groups. And by the way, pods are there, they're, 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 there's, pods in Facebook, there's pods in Instagram, there's pods in LinkedIn. And the ones that are in LinkedIn tend to be very, very business driven, very much in terms of actually selling. So we, what we prefer to do is, is to think in terms of just build your, 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 your following because you've earned it, because you've actually got content that people really, really like and really benefit from because you're giving them stuff that they can use. I hope that helps. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Thank you. Cool. All right. So first thing we got to do is look at your profile and 
how do we, what are all the elements inside of a, um, a, a LinkedIn profile? You've got your headshot, you've got your backdrop, you've got the headline about current position, education, location. There's a whole lot of stuff in there, right? Accomplishments, interests. There's a lot of things you can put about yourself. So Frederick, when you were talking at the beginning about the fact that it was very much like what your resume was like, mm -hmm. if you look at all the lower bullets, it's very much like what a resume would look like. Yeah. But the other stuff, that's the stuff that helps people understand who you are as a person. And the more we understand who, who we're actually communicating or engaging with online, the more likelihood that we're going to find people who are like-minded that we, we can learn more about and know more about, and we can trust them more as a result of that. So you can't think about it as, uh, although you're going to use a lot of the same information that would have been in a resume, you're actually going to be thinking about positioning that content to help people figure out who you are in a business sense so that you can help them. That's really what the difference is. So, so when we actually design a profile, here's some of the things that I actually like to look at really is you know, the, the basics of your profile is at the top of the page. The first thing that people will see when they actually click on your name and they want to learn more about you. The first thing they're going to see is they're going to see your headshot. All right. So number one, you got to make sure that the headshot is designed in a way that actually fits for social media. And generally speaking, a, uh, a very plain background, whether it be black or white or, or you know, some or if you have a, a business color, as long as it's not too bright, you don't want it to stick out too much. Uh, you really want to have a simple headshot so that essentially if someone saw you like what we're doing right now in a um, in a uh, in a Zoom call, they're going to see your head more than anything else. Right. So you want to make sure that they'll easily recognize who you are. And one of the things that you'll notice I put in there, too, is there's this tool called photofeeler.com. Not everyone's a fan of it, but I actually kind of like it. And I, I encourage people to try using it with their headshots. What it is, it's actually a service that can be free, uh, but you can also pay for it if you actually want to essentially speed up how fast the system works. But what it does is it puts your headshot into um, um, basically um, a system that allows other people to rate or gauge how and how um, approachable and how engaging you are and whether or not you're trustworthy. So they'll actually be able to give you feedback as to whether or not the headshot that you're presenting on LinkedIn is in fact the best possible headshot to, to, to help market yourself. Uh, because a lot of people will have these headshots that, you know, they're, it, they're blurry. You, yeah, just, just look at them. There's, there's, it's usually very, really, really bad. Very yeah. few people have taken the time to actually have a good headshot. And that photo feeler is a good way to help people understand whether or not their headshots are essentially engaging the audience as best as they possibly can. Yeah. Um, hey Mark, Mark, on headshots, yeah. just real quick before you leave that topic. Yeah. Um, with with the headshot, should people be aiming towards getting a really good looking, uh, but not overtly professional headshot, i.e. it shouldn't look like it should be in an annual report or something. It should more humanize you or or should it be more you know, as pro and as buttoned up as it could possibly be? Actually, it's um, one of those answers where you say it depends. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Like as an example, if and in fact, I'm actually a fan of having multiple headshots because yeah. you may want to use them over time and see how it changes your level of engagement. Um, the biggest thing about the headshot is is more about how approachable you will be perceived. That's really the single most important thing more than anything else, uh, you know. I, I would rather have a slightly out of focus and slightly disheveled, but someone who's happy and approachable with their, you know, uh, that makes me feel like I actually want to speak with them 
that's a lot more important than anything else. And generally speaking, as photographers, especially if you're a headshot photographer, you'll know how to help your clients create that. But I would actually encourage you to don't just sell them one, sell them four, five, six headshots, because chances are they may have a need for different headshots for different applications. And they will most likely want to try those different headshots through Photofeeler themselves and decide which one they're going to use as their profile photo. So I hope that helps you. you a bit of it. Yeah, okay. So that's the first photo that you can produce and sell as a photographer. And, you know, you can very easily just go through other people's profiles and say, geez, you know what, I could help them. Uh, you know, and, and especially if they're in your local area, then it's an opportunity to probably sell that service. The other one is the uh, banner at the back. You'll notice that I've got a long banner and it's because generally speaking, the ratio on that that banner is roughly about it's about, well, it's 1192 by 220 to roughly 1536 to 768 pixels. In other words, it's roughly a somewhere between two to four to one ratio. So it's a very long banner. The one thing I want to make sure that people think about with these banners is you really want that banner to help tell a bit of a story about who it is that you are and what services that you provide. You'll notice that in my case, what I've done is I've taken a photo that I actually shot some years ago. Um, for, that's the... It's, it's the Sydney uh, skyline, and it helps people understand that I work in a business environment. So if you see a, a business area or business environment, that helps hopefully inform people what kind of work you do. So think of really designing your banner in a way that helps you position yourself as to what kind of things you do. For example, if you specialized in dog photography, you'd want to have dogs in there. You'd want to see, but you'd probably want to see you with the camera with the dogs, right? You'd want to combine that story. Um, the other thing, too, is make sure that any wording or content that's critical inside the banner is positioned such that when you look at the at your personal profile on a desktop computer or a, um, a mobile device, that it doesn't cover up that content because your your headshot photo will move around relative to the pro uh, the the platform that you're actually looking at the content on. So you want to test this out. Generally speaking, what I tend to do is you'll notice is I actually put, for me, I put the content on the right-hand side because generally the headshot for desktop at least tends to sit always on the left-hand side. Okay? Got it. Um, you'll notice too that I put a little something in there called the GDP. And I've thrown that in there more because of the fact that it's a, it's, it's a concept that I've developed in terms of understanding wh what's happened to the world of social media and how photography works in that space. Is you'll notice that the photo has some geographic content in it. It's telling you where it is. You, anybody who knows Sydney will recognize the Sydney skyline and go, geography, I know where you are. I know where you work. D, demography. Well, most likely business people, right? Psychography, professional, but at the same time, you know, there's a bit of an art factor to it. So again, that if you think of creating an image with the GDP in mind as your backdrop, it'll help you make sure that it brands you properly. So it tells you where you are, who you are, and what your personality is like. And then finally, the, uh, the the last two things is obviously you want to um, you want to make sure that your headline uh, is set up properly because that's actually the words from an SEO perspective that are going to affect how you get found the most and how people will engage because they're going to look at all this content and generally speaking, what people do is they look at the pictures and then since they figured out who you are, they'll look at the words or they'll read the words, and. It's got to be snappy. It's got to be short. You don't get a lot of characters in there. I think it's only something like about 140 characters is all you can put in there. Quite short. So you want to make sure that you tell people what it is that you do, but think more in terms of what do you do for them? 
right? And I, I often will see people who will put in their profiles, I help people by blah, 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 blah. I'm not a big fan of that. Sometimes it gets a little bit long. Think more of being shorter because people will know you help people with something. You don't need to tell them that. It's redundant. But get right to it and get get snappy with it. Make sure that you tell people what you actually do for a living in a way that helps them understand how you might be able to help them out. So that's that's the, the, the single most important thing in terms of your profile. Um, from here, then we start getting into what do you do now that you've developed your profile? And by the way, I, I'll, I'll throw this in now because I, I don't want to skip over because a lot of people will ask me, yeah, well, what about my business page profile? Mm -hmm. And what about all the other parts? Yes, they're all important. And uh, but, you know, for time reasons, I think it's more important to start with your personal profile first. If you can't get that right, you know, you're really you haven't graduated to the point where you've got your business profile set up properly. So start with that. And then once you've done that, you can come back and we, we can talk some more about business profiles and, and how to leverage your business page too. But what really builds your, your, your reason for using LinkedIn is more having to do with your activity on LinkedIn. So what kind of posts, articles, um, and the way that you like and comment and share on on um, on LinkedIn? You can even create something called SlideShare, which is a way of actually creating slides or slide presentations. One of the things about SlideShare, I'll just throw in very quickly, is they need to be more descriptive than a slide show that you would normally use at a at, at a conference, for example. Like you'll notice that my I normally don't like to put as many words in my slides as I have today. I've put more in there because my intention is for you to be able to go back to this presentation and leverage that content and get that aha moment and go, all right, yeah, I remember what this is. I know how to use this now. But generally speaking, most people create slides and they don't put a lot in there. If you're creating slide share content, which is actually hosted via LinkedIn, it's a place where people can host their own slides, you do want to be slightly more descriptive. That's a it's a powerful tool for helping people understand, again, what your what, what your what your product or offering actually is. And you can also do something called featured content. When that featured content is at the top of your profile, you can take some of your posts or articles and essentially pin them to the top of your profile just below your main profile information. So that's mm. actually another feature that's pretty cool. Um, one of the things that I do with my featured profile is I have a direct link to my portfolio of work. And most likely one interview or one, but no, most likely this interview will be my next featured profile, uh, but will be that kind of a content piece that we can throw in at the top. That's a really important tool. So getting into posts, if you're thinking about posts, one of the things that posts in LinkedIn uh, you need to think of that's different is they have to be a little bit more wordy than what you would find in a Instagram post. Because if you look at the way Instagram posts are, are created, in fact, I'm sure you've seen this, is that it's a photo with Instagram, then the words below it. Whereas in Facebook and in LinkedIn, it's the words and then the photo below. So there's a bit of a difference in the focus of what's important. So when you're actually posting photos in LinkedIn as a post, you really have to think about the fact that it's not going to be the single most important thing. The words matter a little tiny bit more, so you need to be a little bit more descriptive. This is the place where you can essentially talk a little bit more about the, the you know what what the photo is all about. Now, in this case, like I've thrown in one of the images I've shot in the past, recent, you know, not that long ago, it basically to show kind of the kind of work I, I do. But one of the things I'm also uh, I'm cautious about is to not get into um, fig jam mode. Does anybody, Frederick, have you ever heard of fig jam before? 
not until just right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll keep this clean. Okay. But it's frick, but I'm, you know what I meant? Uh -huh. I'm great. Just ask me. Uh, That's what it stands for. Okay. So uh, don't. <laughs> okay. So one of the things you see a lot in a lot of posts, especially in Instagram and even in Facebook, you see a lot of fig jamming going on, right? Um, that's actually not going to win you a whole lot of business in the world of LinkedIn. If you do too much of that, where it's all, look at me, look at me. If anybody who's in Australia will recognize that line, you know, look at me, look at me, and they know that one. Uh, it's very much a, a thing you don't want to be doing. You want to be essentially engaging by telling people some a story or something useful that they can go away with and say, hmm, all right, I think I can apply that. I think I can use this. It might be in a story form. It might just be in shorter form. You, but you have to think in terms of how are you helping someone else first? Don't think in terms of what you're trying to sell in a post because selling in a post, chances are it won't work. The selling, you take that offline. The whole idea is to try to create engagement. The other thing to remember is that when you actually put your photos up, make sure that you do something called an alt tag. Anyone who is familiar with SEO or website design, which should be if they're not already, that alt tags is a way of informing. It was alt tags were first created as a, as a tool um, for essentially making sure that uh, the people with sight impairments could actually know what a photo actually was on a website. And but the thing is, is Alt tags also help search engines figure out what these images are and how well they're, they're and, and how well they're showing up. So it does actually help with rankings too. So if you put up a photo in your in uh, in a post, make sure that you alt tag it also. The next thing is to think about really what kind of content is going to work best with posts. And again, I, I've touched on this before, but it's stuff that's newsworthy. It's stuff that that people will find probably interesting because it's either because it's about something that happened in the local community, something that happened within their niche of work, something that's happened within technology or an interest area that they might have. So you want to think of making sure you're, again, helping people get become more engaged because they, they feel like there's a story behind this. And the more that you do that, the more you're going to get engagement. Like in this particular post, this is one of my more successful posts. You know, at the time when I actually did the, the, the screenshot of this, it was over 4,000 views of this post. And this is from a LinkedIn local event. Went back in the days. If you remember back in the days when we used to get together face to face, I mean, <laughs> not that long ago we actually could do this, and now we're all doing this on link uh, on Zoom and. You're and showing your age, Mark. That was that was I the know. old days. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but this is the kind of thing that we would actually want to be promoting, right? Is is how getting together as a community um, helps us really, you know, be better understand what what's actually available to us in the area, and that's the kind of post that'll actually drive a lot of engagement. Um, and it's also sometimes where if you met somebody like, you know, you see a lot of these selfies with like the Richard Branson selfies, right? Somebody's just met Richard and they take a selfie with them. That's actually not a bad thing to do with that because that actually can act help you too. Keeping in mind that you don't want to be in that fig jam space. It's more about how does this help someone? In other words, if it helps because it helps them know that you are the right kind of person because you're connected with the right kinds of people, that's okay too. But remember to make sure that you're always trying to be helpful with, with your content. The other one that really works well when it comes to posts is to form your or, or write your, your, your post in a way that, that basically is going to get some feedback or, or, or you can set it up as a question where people will respond. So finish the post with a question. Like, for example, uh, in this one over here, you know, I've actually asked the question of, 
you know, I'd love to hear back from in the comments, uh, what, what are the things you enjoyed to learn the, learn the most? It's like, if, if you get that kind of a question in there, people were more likely to respond to your posts and that creates a higher level of valuable engagement. Then the, the, the other thing about posts is you have to think in terms of not making them too, too long because uh, there's actually a limit to character. I think it's about 1400 characters is how long a post can be. So you don't want to be too long winded. Make sure that you keep all of your sentences relatively short, never more than about two to three lines to read at a time, which is very similar to what, the way you would uh, build up a, a blog properly to make it easy to read. Um, make sure that you include some relevant hashtags in there too because hashtags in LinkedIn do work very well. There, it's, it's a very, very powerful tool. A lot of people will use hashtags to, to essentially track what's of interest to them. Um, uh, the other thing too, is you wanna make sure that, that you're we're always making sure that you're including people in your posts. So in other words, if the conversation is with someone else, like this one over here is with a mate of mine, Brendan Rogers, we actually did it. So I tagged him in this post. And, and you'll notice that Frederick, whenever uh, you've seen some of the posts I've done on LinkedIn, I'll actually put in two or three people's names in there if, if yeah. the conversation was relating to several people. Yeah. One of the other tactics that you can use is if you're going to be putting in a lot of tags of people, but you really, because you want them to read it and it really relates back to them because they either were at the event or you know that they would want to be at this event or they'd want to be aware of this new piece of content. You can go into your comments and put in the tags for the people in there. And here's another quick tip that I didn't put into the slides, but it really works well, is if someone has a relatively long name, like Frederick Van Johnson, he's got, you know, it's a, <laughs> you have a longer name, you yes, can actually type in, the at Frederick and your whole name will pop up and then you can backspace to get rid of the last name. So that makes that the post looks a little bit cleaner, more like a real, a normal conversation. So mm -hmm. as opposed to it saying, Hey, Frederick Van Johnson, I'm really glad we had this conversation. It'll say, Hey, Frederick, really glad we had this conversation. Nice. Cool. Okay. So that's a nice way to keep your posts clean and simple. So you, they're not as long. The other thing to remember is posting, is something you got to be doing very regularly. Anyone who follows Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, you'll know that man is a machine. He's got, he's got, I don't know, 25, 30, 40, 50 posts per day going out on, on multiple platforms. And uh, I don't expect that any of us will be able to go to that extent. That's a lot. Um, but I try to make at least one post a day now. I used to be one post a week and I built it up to one to two uh, a week. Then I went to three or four a week. Now I'm trying to do it pretty well daily as much as possible. Well, you know, it's okay to take a break once in a while, but try to be at least reasonably consistent. And, and if you're struggling for content to post, as, as photographers, you really shouldn't be struggling for content if you've got a, a portfolio of images that are worthy of sharing. So think of even sharing something and and talk about you know how you actually found this client or how much fun you had doing the, this the photography shoot. It's not a sales pitch. It's just an opportunity you, for for you to be able to tell more about your story. That's the kinds of posts that will work very well and help you have content. Photographers should be the least uh, likely to run out of content to be able to show on on LinkedIn, as far as I'm concerned. No, Mark, with, with that cadence, uh, that brings yes. up another question. Sure. Uh, well, actually, two questions. So one is, the if you decide on that once per day cadence, you're going to do five days a week, you know, once every day, you're going to make it part of your routine. 
a lot of people that I know that are, you know, using uh, Instagram and Facebook, et cetera, they'll automate that so that they can, their, yes. their Instagram posts will trickle over to Facebook, et cetera. Or if they post on Flickr, then they're using IFTTT to yeah. syndicate it to other platforms. Is that possible on LinkedIn? And if it is, should we be doing that? Uh, the short answer is yes, you can definitely do it. And I would recommend doing it, especially if you have multiple platforms you want to remain engaged in. There's a few caveats to that, though. Um, like, for example, the one I use is called Zoho Social. You know, you know, there's a hundred of these. Like you mentioned, there's one. You know, Hootsuite's another one. There's tons of them out there that do this syndication process. The thing that you run into, though, is that, uh, it, it, and I'm not, I can't tell you that I'm 100% sure of this, but I suspect that in some cases, syndicated content will not actually get the same rank as organically loaded content. And here's a couple of examples of that. With photos, it's less likely of an issue. But if it's a video piece of content, which video is very powerful too, like let's face it, I'm sure a lot of photographers are also video content creators, of course. Um, you want to make sure that video is organically loaded onto LinkedIn. The reason why you want to do that is just twofold. First is because when you actually load the content organically in video, it will autoplay. And you can also put the, your SRC file, you know, your captions on the lower side. And a lot of cases, if video ha will have audio and people are not necessarily um, going to be playing it, you know, aloud, they actually will watch it quietly, especially in if they're, you know, whether it be in the home office or not, they're actually going to want to read it. So by having the content organically loaded, it ensures that you can add the SRC file or the captions file to your video so that it'll actually show that content in that way. The other reason why um, or, or, or organically adding the content right into LinkedIn is important is because like every other social media platform, they want to keep you on their own platform. They don't want you to leave. So for example, if your content was actually a YouTube video that you simply have hot linked back in, will it actually show up in your feed? Yeah, it'll show. But if you click on it, it actually takes you, well, basically, it'll either play inside of LinkedIn or it'll take you out. And the last thing that Google, or sorry, that Google, that, that LinkedIn wants is they don't want you to leave their platform, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. think about it from the point of view of what will encourage people to stay in LinkedIn. If it takes them out of LinkedIn, be cautious about using these systems that, that do syndication. So I, I tend to play back and forth between them. In fact, if you look at this particular feed, I've got a lot of things that are essentially screenshots of words, right? In that type of situation, I actually tried syndication with this. And I actually didn't get the same level of engagement, to be quite honest with you. It didn't. It did not work as well. So you know, the next time around, I will actually be doing this that kind of content for primarily my SEO business. I'll be doing it directly onto LinkedIn. Mark, do you, do you know if there's a, pen, a penalty for doing external links on LinkedIn? I know, you know, Facebook has that sort of magic hidden mm. algorithm that will either promote or suppress your posts based on what's in it and how many followers you have. And, you know, who knows what other magic sauce they put in there. Is LinkedIn yeah. playing that same game? Yeah, they are. Everyone is. They're, 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 so that's one of those things. So that, again, that's part of that whole thing is that the engagement magic sauce, and I actually do have a little bit more about this at the end of the presentation uh, in terms of how the engagement works and, and at a place where you can actually read exactly word for word how they do, how they measure um, uh, the success of, of, of a code, of a post um, showing up. It's it, it, it does matter. You really have to think about that kind of thing. So and there's there's other factors, too, in there. Um, and and it's, it's it's in that slide. So we'll we'll be able to review it there. 
There's okay. also another form of content that we have to think about, which is articles. And I call this evergreen content, really, where articles should sit. It's essentially, think of it like a blog, but it's on LinkedIn instead. And it also allows you to be able to put it back onto as as a as a post. So you can take an article and then put it in your post feed, but it's something that'll remain in your article list or your main list for things that if someone was to read this six months, a year, or let's say even two years down the road, if you leave it up, still has value. That's what evergreen content is all about. So in this case, with evergreen type content or with articles, this is where as a photographer, you can start to include a lot more images. You can, the, the number that they tend to bend around is roughly about eight images is really the sweet spot. So it gives you a chance to be able to create a bit of a storyline. Uh, and actually, it's funny, I just saw something that our, our mate of ours, obviously, Troy Miller, he, he just put up a little story uh, in uh, the This Week in Photo Group uh, of this crazy little story um, uh, about um, uh, Barbie or something like that. And he yeah, put Barbie in, like, and a lizard, like, right? Barbie, Barbie and a lizard. lizard. That's the one. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That would be the kind of thing conceptually that you could use. I, obviously, you'd want to make it more business related or, or client driven. But that's the kind of breakdown of creating a story that would work well. Uh, if it actually had uh, an, an evergreen value. So that's the, the, the principle behind what an article actually is. It's longer form content that allows people to better understand a subject matter and go a little bit deeper. Awesome. All right. And the uh, essential, I'm, and I'm probably repeating myself a little bit over here. It's essentially, again, it looks more like a blog. That's an example of a longer form, um, just the top section of a, of, of, a, uh, of a LinkedIn article that I wrote having to do with how Facebook was in the process of adding 360 photos. Well, that's something that even though it happened at one point in time, a lot of people may not be aware of it. And if they read it, they go, oh, geez, I never th thought I could throw a 360 photo into, into Facebook. So it's something that has longer longer value, that if they read it at any given time, it it should hopefully help them you know, try that out or, or reach out to you or whatever the case is that you're trying to help people with. The last task, now that we've gone through the process of, you know, we've created your, your, your profile, you've, you've updated your photo, you've made yourself look better, you've got a great banner, you've, you know, improved your tagline. Uh, now, and then the next step is, uh, we have to think in terms of obviously getting posts and content that help people engage with you. But then you have to have people to engage with, right? That's what LinkedIn is all about, is about growing a network. So how do you actually grow your network? Well, there's a few things to remember within the world of LinkedIn. And the big one I actually, I'll go right to where it talks about stage two right off the top because it's really about this. I often will tell people if they ask me, what's your secret sauce to growing a network? I call it the second level connections. That's really what it's about because you do actually want to start with your first level connections and because those are the people that are most likely going to engage with you, you know, whether it be past clients or, or people that are friends, relatives and acquaintances, people that you know that you can actually connect with and get a one-to-one -one relationship with. But the growth comes not from who you know, but who your connections know. So it's about growing a network and making sure that you're targeted with this. Don't just willy-nilly accept all connections from anyone, everyone, all the time. That, so you know, you you'd mentioned this earlier, Frederick, and that you were very careful about who you would connect with. There's value in, in in maintaining that that point of view, but you have to be a little bit broader because you think in terms of not so much 
am I connecting with the right person? But more of if I connect with this person, who are they connected to that's a right audience to see my content? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So yeah. you've got and to I, I looked at level. it. I looked at it also, Mark, as and tell me if this is correct. If I connect to this person that's requesting I connect to them, am I de facto connecting them to everyone that in my network? So is it is it sort of like a like a tacit endorsement from me if I accept this random person who may act up and say some inappropriate things? And now it kind of blows back on me, like like recommending somebody get hired and then they go ahead and do something bad at the company. Yeah, that can happen, but you can also get rid of them. You can also. Mm -hmm. And should you, if you've, if you've gone down the path of willy nilly, like you said, uh, accepting people, should you Mm -hmm. do the exercise of going through and pruning your, your, your list and kicking people off that you don't know? It's not a bad idea to keep an eye on that. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. would recommend making sure that you don't over prune, like be careful about sometimes people just say things that maybe, you know, I don't want to say inappropriate, but it's more that they may have misunderstood uh, a post and they say something that doesn't sound quite right. Sometimes that can actually be turned on its head and turned into an opportunity. I'm a big mm. fan of taking negative situations and slipping them on their head. You know, if somebody says something to me that like, I've actually made some comments on people's posts that they didn't like, and I would actually essentially tell them, well, it's because I, int- I would actually re- respond with the interpretation so that they understood why I said what they did. And often the result is we get on a phone call and get, you know, and have a good chat and find out we actually have a lot more common and you know, it's it's actually become a new online friendship or a new phone based friendship. So, yeah, yeah. so you have to be cautious with these things. You know, don't go too far down that path. You have to use some judgment. It's really what it comes down to. Okay, thanks. All right. Um, you know, obviously connecting with influencers and community leaders that's an important thing. Again, but every time that you connect with people, remember that the most powerful way to connect with people is to remember that they they are also building their digital network, right? Um, so when you do that, you're essentially trying to connect with the people. We use that whole phrase of people do business with people who they, they know, like, and trust. Well, the place they get to know you first is with your LinkedIn profile. So they're actually, and it's the same thing should go with you. You're looking at their profile before you connect with them. I'm a big fan of not connecting with anyone. What I do first is I, if I want to connect with someone, I'll click on their profile, read their profile, see if there's actually a good fit. Once I've actually seen that there's actually a good fit or reason for me to connect with them, when I actually engage with them, not always, because there's a lot of times where it's, you know, you've already had a conversation with them. They've already liked the post that you've put up. So there's no point in having, uh, you know, a, 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 a conversation to request access or to request c- connection. But if there's not a whole lot of interaction already taking place, it's very, very important to make sure you put in a few words in your request to connect. Because otherwise, what ends up happening is you'll end up in a situation, and I'll, you'll see it in, ne- in one of my next slides, is you'll end up looking creepy if you just keep on connecting with people randomly. Yeah. Um, and remember that it's not about you. Go back to that whole fig jam thing, right? This is not about how you are actually trying to raise your profile. It's about how you can help others. The more that you actually think of LinkedIn as a place where you can actually help others, the more likely that people will be attracted to you because you're actually going to create that level of reciprocation over time. Right. So really, it's an opportunity for you. Yeah, do show your work, engage with posts, do it a lot. Talk on other people's posts. Don't always be it's not always about you, but make sure that you take the time to think in terms of how will your content, your comment, your liking, your resharing of their content will actually make them feel good about you and how you've helped them. 
All right. So, so that's like, you know, one of the things I do a lot, there's a number of, of online groups that I belong to in LinkedIn. And if there's a post in there that I think is very helpful and would be good for my audience, I reshare it. It's not my content. I didn't create it, but I'll put it back out there. And that's actually just one extra post I've created that I didn't have to work very hard to get too. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So yes. So when you're connecting with people, like I love this one over here. I, I this is a, one of the um, um, influencers in Australia that I follow is Nathaniel Bibby. He's a really smart fellow who really, he understood very early on how powerful LinkedIn was. And I've been following him. I've had a few conversations with him. And when he put up this post, I thought this was absolutely fab fabulous. And he actually put in there, don't be creepy. Okay. <laughs> so in other words, don't stalk people. You know, it's, it's, it's really about building a, a, um, a network of people that you feel are, it's going to be mutually beneficial. All right. Uh, you know, random connections are not going to work on the long haul. So think more in terms of really who actually is a right fit. I'll give you a, an example of for the longest time, I actually did not connect a lot with real estate agents because it was not a market that I was particularly interested in. Well, ever since COVID-19 now, what we're doing, you know, we're all social distancing and all these things, which I hate the word, I prefer physical distancing. There's now a need for a, a lot more photography in the real estate space. And whether it happens now or happens once we actually relax the rules in terms of how we can engage, at least these, this is a new market area that does actually make sense for me. So I'm now beginning to engage more with the real estate space. So think strategically about who you're connecting with. Uh, you know, if you're a wedding photographer or a headshot photographer, you're probably going to want to be looking at where are those places where, you know, that might be where you're you're connecting with the venue operators or marketing managers for for um, for a, um, um, a, a like a hall or something like that. Or, uh, connect with the churches, connect with pl places where people are actually interacting already. Um it's really like, and the other thing too, is anytime that you get an opportunity to create new content on LinkedIn, it, you know, really, this is an example of one I, I did recently where this is um, um, a video that it happens to be uh, recorded in, uh, on, on YouTube, but it actually does actually show a lot of what it is that I do because it's a conversation with a client, past client of mine. And this is a great place to be able to reuse past content. Uh, you know, in this case, this is um, uh, a, a young lady who um, was running a, a gift shop, um, and I did I did photography for her. Geez, goes back five years ago. She found me on LinkedIn, said, "Hey, I'd love to interview you because um, I'm moving more online now." Cool. So let's have that conversation and then reuse that content and then promote it. So when she actually put it online, I'm resharing her content. And she's resharing mine. Um, so it's a great place to actually, you know, get people to talk about themselves and 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 do the long form. But you'll notice that again, the heading on there it's not very long. I'm, you know, there's only what three short paragraphs in there. Um, so remember that it's a long game. It's uh, LinkedIn is not about getting success tomorrow. You know, if you've actually only started using LinkedIn in the past year, year and a half, if you're you know one of these people who hasn't seen your profile showing 500 plus, which by the way, this is a, one of the little tricks you can sort of tell is how, how active a person is, is if they actually show less than 500, it shows how many people they're connected to. If you're connected to more than 500 people, the only way you're going to learn more about how connected they are is if you actually go to their personal profile and see how many followers they actually have. And it doesn't show how many connections they have, it'll show how many followers they have. 
but really you have to think in terms of really the long game. No different than an email list. You know, if you've got a, you know, a, an email list of a thousand people, out of those thousand people, how many people are actually going to open the email? How many people are actually going to read the email? How many people are going to click on the link that's in that email? The same thing applies with LinkedIn. You really want to have numbers that are quite large. And uh, you know, usually you look at people who are in the 10,000 plus as the ones who really get the maximum value on LinkedIn. So it's a long game. It's not going to happen overnight. And again, especially if you're being you know, reasonably careful as to who you're connecting with and making sure that they're a good fit, it will take some time. But the only way to actually combat that is to do it regularly. Keep reviewing people's profiles. Keep looking at who's out there. Keep liking people, well, other people's content. You know, keep doing that on an ongoing basis. Mark, how much how much time do you do you think you spend daily on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, probably all up because I do it in little chunks. I do like little five to ten minute chunks. I probably spend maybe about forty five minutes okay. a day. Okay, yeah, bad. okay, yeah. It's not huge. It's may, maybe a bit more. It varies. Obviously, right now it's more than usual. But during a, when things are under you know, normal ticking business, mm-hmm. it's probably about that much time. Okay. Um, I brought up this book over here as a uh, as a book to read to help you understand the value of giving first and why the 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 success that I'm having at this point in time and people who I, I speak with who get great success with LinkedIn, they think about giving first. They understand the concept of re- reciprocity. And if you haven't read this book, I highly recommend it because it'll give you the right mindset, which is one of the most important things about any kind of marketing activity, you really have to have the right mindset to succeed. And this is the mindset of LinkedIn. It's about being able to give first. The more you give, the more you actually uh, make yourself available to, to be to be helpful, the more likely people will engage with you. And eventually, you, you, you'll be in a situation where you can sell without selling as a result of that. You know, uh, The other thing too is remember that when you're communicating on LinkedIn, Stick to the topics that you're, don't go into three or four different topics at the same time. One of the things I find really frustrating if I look at a LinkedIn post or article is if it's got, if it's trying to cover too much, be concise, be clear, be obviously very regular, but be also really on topic. That's a really important thing. Otherwise you're going to confuse the people uh, that are reading your your profile or reading your, your posts. Excellent. All right. The other thing, too, is to think again, like if you look at it over the long haul, you'll see that, you know, I'm getting this is just a snapshot of my recent engagement levels. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. You have to think long. You know, it's and the only way that you can continue that growth is if you continue to reach out to new people, not just reaching out to the same people over and over again, because one of the problems in LinkedIn is you can get sucked into a bit of a bubble of the people that you hang out with a little bit like you know you, you you build a tribe and you hang out with that tribe but the only way you ever really grow a business is if you get out of your own tribe a wee bit right so that's one of the things to remember is that it's good to have these tribes as a support mechanism and as a place to to leverage but you want to make sure that at the same time that you're continuously looking for new people who are likely to actually engage with your content and that you can engage with theirs so really getting results you know, is all about, you have to have really a clear idea of what your expected outcomes are going to be. You know, you have to really make sure that you, uh, you know, you're recommendable to, by people because that's one of the great um, tools of LinkedIn is that as people are sharing your content, they're in a de facto recommending you to some degree. What they're doing is they're actually showing your content to other people because they think it's valuable. And if they do it enough, Eventually, you may even get real recommendations where somebody actually writes one of those recommendation pieces at the bottom of your profile. 
And those can be very powerful, especially if they're people with influence. So, you know, it's it's worth your while to actually continue to do that whole sharing content out and recommending other people's content because eventually, you know, reciprocity will usually mean that you'll get that back. Uh, you know, and make sure that you continue to use that as a means to also get that second level of introduction to other people. Hey, Mark, before, before you continue, just a, just a quick question, and we're going to we're going to move into the Q&A in just a couple minutes. Yeah, here. exactly. Uh, but the, uh, the, you know, we're like you mentioned before, we're in this whole COVID-19 era and lots of things are in disarray and lots of lots mm-hmm. of photographers are are experiencing the sort of you know, downturn in business that, you know, other industries are experiencing and searching for other ways to put food on the table and pay the rent, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Should those people, should they have two separate profiles? Should they retool this profile to, to, you know, because if they're a photographer and they're looking, say they're a wedding shooter and they're looking for brides, Mm -hmm. um, but they got to put food on the table and they want to get a job at some other company, Mm -hmm. you know, explain that. How, how should that go? Yeah, I, I would still keep very much one profile because the fact of the matter is, is that even if you end up applying for a job someone, somewhere else, if you're really putting yourself out there as being a person who loves photography and is excellent at what they do, you know what? That actually becomes that point of conversation with an employer. I would I would leverage it. I would actually be ramping that up. I would be making sure I leverage the, the whole person as much as possible in one place. The other reason is if you start to have multiple profiles, number one, LinkedIn doesn't like you to have multiple profiles for yourself. That's a bad idea. Mm. Uh, they, they can actually start deranking you if you do that. And no, this is a page about ranking. Um, you, you, you really want to think in terms of every time that you split your content around too many times, you essentially then it makes it hard to get any form of rank value overall. You know, that's, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, it's the same thing that applies with other listings online, whether it be your Google My Business listing or your your Apple Maps listing or your Yellow Pages. Could you imagine if you had a business or you as a business person had two business listings on Yellow Pages for the same business? It would derank you. You're like, how do you how do you manage all the reviews? How does like, how do you actually know that you've got 56 reviews? It might be 25 and you know like and another you know 29 somewhere else. Like that's just not a very good look. Yeah. Uh, so I would keep things all in one place. Um, this particular page is is essentially the uh, taken directly from a um, a post that describes how does ranking work in LinkedIn, and it comes down to identity, making sure that you actually say who, exactly who you are. You know, who are you? And that means your headshot, your backdrop shot. If you don't have a backdrop photo like that, that whole that big panoramic shot, you want to get one on there, and you want to brand it properly. You want to make sure you're constantly creating content and the behavior really has to do with how you engage, how you engage with others, right? Are you consistent? That whole behavior model, they're looking for how often you're on their system. They promote people who are on their system the most. That's really what it comes down to. So that, that's that's the real ranking mechanism. And you get a lot more ranking value if you're connected to a lot more people. So here's a bit of a a sort of a catch list of a whole lot of facts that uh, you will be able to share with people in terms of what the limitations are on in terms of content pieces. Uh, So like, for example, like if you're if you're going to do a a company name, the company name can only be 100 characters long, that kind of thing. So that'll be just more of a reference page for everyone if you're actually creating content. So keep that handy. Keep that, you know, keep this slide either printed or on the side on a side screen as you're creating content or, or updating your profile, because you want to make sure that you're not 
creating content going, oh, geez, especially if you're writing it in a, in a Google Doc and then you go to copy it and paste it and you go, oh, it's just too long. And I go back yeah. and edit the darn thing. This is a useful tool to make sure that you're making the use of the, the, mo the most out of your LinkedIn profile. And that's about it. That was fantastic, man. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Let me turn my camera back on here. Sure. That was good. That was very good. So um, I want to do Q&A now and cool. I want to be respectful of time. We're just at the top of the hour. We'll yeah. probably go another 15 minutes or so with the sure. with the Q&A. So if you have to leave because you budgeted an hour for this, feel free to leave. You'll get a you'll get a link to the replay with all the Q and A's in there, et cetera. Uh, but if you can stick around, go ahead and stick around. And uh, we're going to step through the, the Q&A mm -hmm. now. Um, but again, Mark, that was great. Fantastic. Thank sure. you. Thank you for doing that. I feel like I want to go just leave this webinar now, go sit on, <laughs> on in the living room and start working on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> so um, we've got a bunch of questions here. Let me scroll up to the top of the Q&A here. Uh, the first one is from Steve Simon. And Steve Simon says, so do you post an article differently than you from a post? Is it a separate thing, an article versus a post? Yes. Good question, actually, Steve. Uh, when I actually look at an article and a post is if if you want to, because there's two parts to that question. If you've got to, if you create a post, it's something that's short, sharp, timely, it doesn't have a lot of extra content on it. If you create an article, it's that whole long form. Mm -hmm. What happens is when you actually write an article, you essentially can create a post to promote the article, all right? But again, it's more about just a way of promoting that article. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's really how, it, how I look at article posting because it's basically where you can just basically reuse your article as an additional piece of content. But what it does is it takes a snippet of the top of the post, oh, sorry, the, the top of the article, and uses that as essentially like with a little dot, 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 read more, click here to learn yeah. more. Okay. Okay. Cool. Steve has a follow-up question. He says, Mark, I just tried to connect with you, and it looks like you have two profiles, one personal and one for your business. Is that right? Yes, actually, but there's, there's a difference between having two profiles, one for personal and business, than having two profiles um, as a person. You should only have one personal Per profile, mm -hmm. all right. Um, but you can actually have multiple business profiles if you run multiple businesses. Okay. So, okay. all right. So, if you are like, if for example, if you're the owner operator uh, of a startup and you also have, and you're also a you know, a part time employee somewhere, you could be listed on both those pages as is still presently you know, listed on those. Um, so you can have multiple business profiles, but you should only have one personal profile. Got it. All right, Kristen has the next question. Uh, Kristen says, do you recommend advertising on LinkedIn? That's a really good question. Uh, I, I've been asked that a few times. And the most of the, because I'm not an ad specialist, I, I'm not an SEM, which is a social, uh, I, 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 I don't do marketing, which is where you pay for your ads. Um, what I have learned from people who do this is that it is far more expensive than, for example, a Facebook ad mm. um, and can actually be quite successful. But for the vast majority, almost everyone I speak to that is successful on LinkedIn doesn't do paid ads. The only time you really need to do that is if you got to really cut through and try to get to the top of a, of a, of a particular subject matter that you know, is already a, a busy subject. Okay, perfect. All right, next question up is from, uh, let's see. I'm in the wrong spot here. Okay, Stephen Scharf uh, wants to know, he says, uh, one of the more, 
Oh, oh, he's just saying thank you. One of the more info-packed webinars he's seen since being locked up. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm just going through. Any tips uh, to become more consistent? Do you have a magic wand? Uh, <laughs> this is from Dairush Hariri. Yeah, yeah. The probably the most the, the, the best thing I've found is really to set a, a specific time aside. Uh, it, but before you set that time aside to do your posts, is just take one day of the week and make a list of all the things you might be able to talk about. All right. It just creates yourself a bit of a grid. And one of the best ways of creating a, a grid is to think in terms of do you want to talk about your photos. So you'll have one that'll be, you know, like every, um, three posts having to do with photos, three posts talking about uh, what you're doing in terms of what kind of work you're doing, three posts that are going to be reshares. So you basically do that and that'll actually give you the ability to feel like a little bit less overwhelmed by the amount of content you have to create if you take the time to just set that little bit of a plan up front. That's mm -hmm. probably the best thing I can suggest. Yeah, good, good. Uh, next one is from uh, Michelle McDowell. She, Michelle says, what if you work full time but have your own photography business? I wrestle with people at my job knowing my business. Okay. That, that, and that's a fair question. It, it, one of the challenges with a lot of photographers, a lot of creatives is it, it's really a, a side hustle, right? So how do you actually manage that? If the kind of work that you're doing is really going to be like, you know, like well, obviously, if you're doing something in terms of your photography that would actually look bad in terms of your relationship for your day job, then it, it may not necessarily be the best place for you to do your marketing. You might want to actually approach it quite differently. Um, you know, I don't want to encourage everybody to go down this path because it's right for everyone. Of course not. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, but what I would say, though, is if you can find ways to, to really get in far more niche, find the right people in in the LinkedIn, use that second level to look for people, look at people's profiles, read their profiles, and that'll help you where you want to connect more with people. That might help you essentially avoid that conflict of interest or that conflict of, of, of even time where, you know, a lot of employers don't really want you doing something else. Yeah. Well, we have a ton of questions still coming in. We, mm. we are not going to be able to get all these questions, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to go through as many as I can in the next 10 minutes. Every uh, question will get answered. Yeah, yeah, Marco, you'll, you 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 have the questions. I'll send them to you, and you can answer yeah. them on LinkedIn. So sure, absolutely. Uh, uh, so the uh, the next question we're going to put up here is from Mark uh, Zilberman. Uh, did I get that right? Yeah, Zilberman, and he says, and "Now I've been on LinkedIn for a long time, and in, in another profession, now I'm doing documentary wedding photography. How do I deal with this? How do I? Do I need to start over, just register as a business, or what?" No, I. Your personal profile should always stay the same. Your history should always uh, follow you. Like there's virtually everything I've ever done in my, if you actually look at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see that just about everything I've ever done work-wise is still in there. I don't take that out. I may have actually reduced the bullet points because it's no longer a resume, mm -hmm. but I don't take that away because you know what? That helps people understand who I am as a person. And that I, and I only want to work with people that are going to like working with me, right? So knowing my history is actually going to help in, inform people about that. So I would encourage you to not try to, you know, sweep the, the, the past out. And the only time you, well, if, you, if it's a really bad history or the company that had a bad reputation and you need to remove yourself from that, yeah, I can get why well, you might want to do that. Otherwise, try to find ways to leverage your history as much as you possibly can. And then once you've done that, focus more on your new posts, your new engagement. And that's really where most of the traction is going to come from. 
Okay, good. Here's a great question. Nicole Hawkins says, and I know Nicole Hawkins because she's in the other room over there. She says, uh, I'm sorry if this has already been asked. I'm curious whether it's worth paying more, uh, paying the $100 per month for the premium membership package on LinkedIn. I'm really glad you asked that because that's one of the ones I've actually, I had the premium package. I know a ton of people who have it and they swear by it. You have to think about what is the purpose of this premium package? What does it actually provide you? The single most important thing it does is it allows you to do more deep dive searches on other people and also provides you the ability to communicate with people who are not just second level, but third level. You can actually do direct mails directly to people who are third level. So oh. if you're trying to contact someone, for example, let's say that I, I wanted to get to know, um, you know, um, Gary Vaynerchuk and I'm not connected to him. And I really, really wanted to say, I want to, I'd like to have a conversation with you. I would at least if I had the premium package be able, if I was at third level from him, be able to send him a direct message and he could choose to either respond or not. But otherwise you don't have that opportunity. The other thing that it does is it also, you won't always see everyone's full profiles. You actually see more of other people's profiles by having a premium uh, package. So that's the that's the biggest reason for having it. I recommend, generally speaking, try to get as much as you can from the free one before you flip the switch. Because, you know, um, I, I I I turned it on, I turned it back off again, and I haven't personally, as of yet, seen a massive difference in the level of engagement that I was getting with it on or off. But that's me. Everyone's going to be different. Okay, excellent. Okay, here's another another question from Diane Hayes. Diane says, "Hi, I'm not a photographer, but as an IS analyst, an IS analyst, uh, she finds headhunters use LinkedIn for talent, and the articles that she posts help them find her. Is this the same for photographers?" Yes, actually, absolutely. Uh, some of the work that I've actually got as a result of being on LinkedIn has been primarily because the kinds of content that I'm actually showing was sufficiently distinct from everyone else. I mean, and this is one of the things I, I, I mentioned this in one of my bullet points about, you know, making sure you work your niche. That's absolutely critical. If you're good at something or you want to work or if you want, even if you're not necessarily good, but that's where you want to go with your business, you really want to talk about that a lot more uh, because that's how, whether, whether it be recruiters or anybody, they're looking for people who can do something very specific and distinct. Usually that's what it's about. Um, it's, it's an environment of engagement. So keep working on that level of making sure you work the niche. Keep that mindset. Yeah. And yeah. look, look who's in here. Steve Simon, one of the This Week in Photo OGs. Uh, Steve says, should you ask for recommendations or is it potentially creepy? Um, well, actually, you can ask for recommendations. I would highly recommend that you earn the right to ask for that recommendation. That's probably the single most important thing. In other words, if you're going to get a recommendation, usually it should be with a client, someone you've actually done work for if, or an employer that you've worked for before. So there's got to be a true tangible relationship between you and the other person. Otherwise, it's going to it's going to look fake eventually, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so so that that's one of the things you got to remember is people will read between the lines eventually. So make sure you actually have earned those recommendations. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, here's one from Mira Ko, an excellent, excellent photographer. Uh, Mira says, another question, LOL. I'm sure a lot of us uh, have other photographers connected with us on LinkedIn. Many we don't know personally, but if you're a local mm -hmm. business, is this hurting you? Is that what he's saying? Uh, that you want to kind of clean out your connections to make sure they're more local based? 
Yeah. Now, I would suggest sort of the opposite on that one. I actually think that being connected to your competitors is a great thing, especially if you're if you're proud of the quality of the work that you provide and you feel like you're a step ahead and you ought to be because if you're going to work your business you should always feel like you're you know you're you should you should be on the bleeding edge of yourself as yeah. much as possible right so um i actually encourage people to connect with a lot of other photographers um, i've actually gotten work as a result of it um, and it's because you got to think about it other photographers sometimes need second shooters or can't show up for a job then they got to look for somebody to help them out Hey, you know, what an opportunity that is. And as long as you maintain that whole giver's mentality and you continue to do that, of course, you're, you're going to have people who will try to take advantage of you. That's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Um, but, you know, be proud, stand up on your own two feet and go for it. I'd say, you know, connect with them. Okay. Perfect. All right. Here's a, a another question. When you were going through that whole alt tag part, when you were talking about images or a bunch of questions that were flying by about how, how do you actually assign an alt tag in, okay. in LinkedIn? When you actually post the image, there'll be a little button that says edit, and then you can add the alt tag right in there. It just pops up. Okay. If you actually, right. yeah, yeah. In fact, actually, one of the things we may be able to do, Frederick, is one of these days, is we could do little snippet sessions of actually mm -hmm. creating content and showing people how it's done. So they actually have short how-tos. That'll be a way of being able to help people to see how it's actually done. Yeah, and that's a good segue. Uh, we were we were talking about this before we started the webinar that um, mm -hmm. uh, Mark and I are collaborating on a LinkedIn for photographers, larger expanded offering on this week in photo. So because you're in this webinar, we'll send you information about that when it's closer to being ready. But just heads up, that's coming because you can only do so much in 45 minutes, right, Mark? <laughs> so, <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I think, yeah. you know, there, there's more, a ton of questions and more are still coming in. I don't think we'll be able to get mm -hmm. to these. But Mark, mm -hmm. you'll, I'll send you a list of these questions or you'll have access sure. to them within the system. Cool. So feel free to reach out to everyone and answer them on mm -hmm. LinkedIn. Do you have, uh, you have any final thoughts you want to share with us before we, we switch back? Probably the, the the simple final thought is you know, get on there and start using it more and connect with people and and even if you make a few mistakes, get over it because it's not it's it's not a um, it's not a big deal to make the odd occasional mistake in in social media as long as it's not a massive blunder like you don't want to be you know doing things that you know get you kicked off the system that kind of thing because that can actually happen that does happen on occasion so keep it clean keep it engaged. Keep liking people and think in terms of second level. It's really about your second level connections and grow your network on an ongoing basis. And describe that just a little bit before we end the webinar, sure. the the levels, right? First, yeah. second, and third, and who sure. can connect to who, because it's it's sort of a cast system inside LinkedIn. LinkedIn right? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. And in fact, I leveraged it with thanks to you, Frederick, because of a you know, we were talking about some people that I'm actually trying to get some help from. Mm -hmm. And you and I are first level on LinkedIn, right? And I asked you about, hey, do you know anybody that works for Facebook, if you recall, right? Yep. So yep. there was a guy, so you you mentioned this person's name, sent me their profile. That person, because they're connected to you, but not connected to me, are a second level. Okay. 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 So they have Had to go through me to get them. to them. You have to go through me exactly. to connect. Okay. A, well, yeah, because that gives me more of, of a reason. Now, there was another person you had given me the profile to that you weren't even connected to, uh, but you knew who they were and you found their profile and you sent it to me. So that's a third level. So I'm not connected to them through anyone. Okay. Right? So that's okay. third level. Okay. That's third level. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. See that's, and that's in or, in order to get those and even see those levels, you have to be paying, right? The, the, you have to be a paying member of LinkedIn to see those. If you're not paying 
you can't see any levels or no, like, it depends on their own profile because what you can do with your own profile we have well, obviously this is getting into the deep dive of how you actually set up your own personal profile you can choose to make your own profile visible to second or third level connections or totally public basically mm -hmm. so you it's it's up to the person themselves with their own profile to allow how much of their own profile is being seen okay so okay. that's how they maintain privacy Okay, cool. There and there's so much more we didn't you you didn't go through like the like the LinkedIn learning which was previously lynda.com and now that yeah. you get access to that library as well and there's a bunch yeah. of other stuff in LinkedIn. Yeah. We'll have to do a follow up. If there's oh, if there's enough right. demand, we'll do a part 2 of this uh yeah, LinkedIn absolutely. photographers. Happy to do it. All right, yeah, Mark cool. Charette, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, and if, if I didn't mention this earlier, Mark is you're in Australia right now, right? Yeah, where, I am. where where in Australia are you? Um, just north of Sydney, uh, about 100 kilometers north of Sydney. It's an area called the Central Coast. It's um, it's uh, a some people think of it as a suburb of Sydney. I don't. I think it's its own region. Most people, and we've been hooting for, for, for that. Yeah. Um, we're also, if if it matters to people out there, we're also really close to the Hunter Valley, which is a gorgeous wine region. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be yeah. expecting a bottle of wine in the mail soon, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Coming right up. Eh? Since, since Peter Levshin went all the way out there and didn't bring any back for anybody, we'll have to. Uh, he brought back a lot of gin, though. Yeah, <laughs> Local gin. All right. Mark Charette, cool. thank you, man. And thanks to everyone who attended this webinar. Like I said at the beginning, if you if you miss some of it, uh, don't worry. You'll get a link to the replay shortly. And um, the, the slides that Mark went through will be available. Uh, you'll get a link to those through your email. They will either be on the blog post of this week in photo that I'll mm -hmm. send you or you'll get them directly. But somehow, right. somehow you will get them. So that's right. And everyone out there, make sure you connect with Frederick and I on LinkedIn. Let's 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 have a chat there, too. You know, it's let's a great place for us to connect. Yeah, look at look at the top of the chat there. I put Mark's Mark's LinkedIn link is up there. So or just just look for Mark Charette on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find him. You'll find me. Cool. Yep. All right, Mark. Thanks a lot, man. And have a good have a good rest of your day. All right, you too. Bye for now. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody. This is Twitter.